It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Locked On. Three, two, one. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. You can find links to all my work on Forbes, SB Nation's Big Blue View, New York Giant Maven, of course, on Locked on Giants. If you want to talk Giants, ask questions for the mailbag and so on and so forth. I'm I'm there. I'm always happy to interact with you guys. And as part of our summer countdown series to the start of training camp, we are previewing the New York Giants 2019 opponents. And on today's show, we have Landon McCool. He is one of the co-hosts of the Locked on Cowboys podcast. And Landon, I want to thank you for coming on with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's it's always great to do this and get up accurate perspective of what the other teams are and not your you know individual teams rose-colored glasses of what the other teams look like absolutely and of course you know the Giants and the Cowboys they face each other twice a year during the division and uh, you, you know let's let's start off and kind of get everybody caught up on some of the changes the Cowboys uh, had made we'll start with the offense now I know there's been a lot of talk about contracts extensions for Dak Prescott extension for Amari Cooper as he Elliott, can you kind of just give everybody um, like an overview of where those stand and what you think is going to transpire over the next several weeks, if not months? Yeah, so you know, the, the, it seems to be that's the, the main focus nationally for, for the Cowboys, and, and it does seem to tend that way when the Cowboys have big name players who are up for contracts. That that's everybody's intense focus. As far as the Cowboys themselves, Jerry has kind of made it clear that, or Steven really is, who's actually kind of the one doing these deals now, um, has made it very clear that he they're open for business and that whoever wants to get a deal done soon, uh, they can approach them and they can start talking. And I think that they are having contract talks on uh, on a variety of fronts. I think, you know, Dak and uh, his agents are discussing with Steven a contract. Uh, I think there's been some conversation with Zeke um, Cooper is is one that we've heard that there's discussion there and that Cooper may not even actually be interested in a contract at this point and may actually be waiting for uh, Julio Jones and some of these other contracts to get done first before he's even willing to start discussions um, and then you know some of the other ones that we've heard that are you know because Dallas is open for business so to speak uh, Jalen Smith has approached apparently the, the Cowboys uh, front office. Uh, you know, early a little bit. They have 
rights over him because of his missed year with his injury. Uh, they have, uh, I think, restricted free agent rights for next season. So it, this is a little bit early, but I think the idea is that they, they definitely want to get something done. So they're trying to work things a little bit early. Um, but it, it doesn't. It feels like the one that is likely to get done the soonest is probably Dak. Um, and then after that, I mean, it really could be anyone's guess. I mean, if I had to, my guess would probably be Cooper and then Jalen Smith. And then potentially we start seeing some of these other pieces fall into place and whether they can sign guys like Byron Jones and, and, and some of these other free agents that are coming up. When you look at the growth of Dak Prescott, do you feel that he's reached that point now to where he's maybe ready for that big contract or, or are there still some unanswered questions in his play? You know, I think if you ask Johnny Cowboys fan, you know, just average fan, it's probably a 50-50 split. Um, You know, I cover the team, and so I watch him play a lot. And, you know, with the coach's tape, we talk to a lot of different people who are, you know, experts at quarterbacks, a position. And and I think Dak is one of the more difficult evaluations because of his playing style. I mean, he is a – I I would say a – good not great pa- uh, pocket passer at this point but i think that he has the ability to develop into a great pocket pocket passer i think the issue for him has always been about when pressured in the pocket getting his feet reset and then getting his throwing motion back aligned but i, I think he does things that you can't coach like he is clutch i mean at, at, at key moments he uh, he really has a strong presence with this team. The team fights for him. And then I think that there's a whole other added element that doesn't really get discussed with Dak that is valuable, and, and that's uh, his value as a, a red zone threat and as a short yardage running threat. Uh, I think it, it's really difficult for teams to defend him um, when the when they spread, when they're spread out in the red zone. They have to cover Cooper. They've got to now cover Witten again, uh, Zeke out of the backfield. And then all of that, keeping in mind that if you leave any gap in the, the the defensive line when you're rushing the passer if you get over committed as a pass rusher he can just squirt out the front of the uh, of the uh, offensive line probably break a couple tackles on his way into the end zone so i i think the question of whether he deserves the money or not actually isn't even that complicated because i think it's basically is the guy that you're w- about to pay will it worth a you know, starter plus level amount of money. And if he is, then whatever he's about to get paid is the appropriate amount. That's that's how I view quarterback contracts at this point. They all become incredible deals for the team that they signed for within the two, within two years because of the way that the uh, the salary cap increases and the, and the money with the TV deals will increase this. I, I just feel like it's a it's a long conversation that a lot of teams have, but really it's just it, it's it's a yes or no question on whether or not they are a starter level quarterback or not, and if they are, they're worth that money that they're about to get paid. Now you mentioned uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and and he's up for I guess he's looking for a new contract as well. But I think I read somewhere that the Cowboys are going to wait on him. I, I mean, what what's the story behind that? And do you agree with the decision to wait on him and maybe prioritize either Dak or even Amari? Well, I think Zeke, you know, the, the thing is, is that Zeke, people forget Zeke has another year. So I, I think the thought process with potentially signing Zeke this year would be, 
you know, his cap hit for his fifth year as at the fourth overall pick is pretty high. So you might be able to reduce that cap hit, uh, you know, for that season by signing him to a new contract just because you're able to kind of shuffle the money around a little bit better. I think that really Dak kind of opens things up because at least you have that slotted and now you know, okay, this is where the quarterback is and that kind of helps slot everything else. And then Cooper, they hope to get done sooner is because his cap hit is already at like, I think 14 million or something because of his you know previous contract that we uh, inherited from Oakland. So uh, the thought process is that if they signed Cooper early, it would actually free up potentially as much as $10 million because they could give him a low cap hit his first year and then, you know, obviously pay him in salary money up front. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the thought process as to why those two guys are uh, the upfront kind of thought process of, of, of contracts. And then again, like I said, Zeke has another year. So I, I, I've, I've wondered myself if all this talk about signing him this year may have been just to kind of keep him happy, but the, th- you know, they, they may not view it as necessary to sign him right away because, you know, he's still got another year of, of good money on his contract. And if they need that money, they need to reduce that hit. Then I think that's the time that they'll start really seriously talking to Zeke about an extension. Now, Jason Witten decided to come back out of retirement. Did that decision surprise you? And what can you tell us about, you know, when a, when a guy's been away for, from the game for a year due to retirement, not even due to injury, I mean, how has he looked so far and how is he fitting back into that offense? Uh, I will say that it surprised me that it, it surprised me less that he came back than he than when he left. I will say that because, uh, it, you know, I mean, if you put yourself back to, I mean, it, it's tough with the other when you're on the opposite side of the field. But if you put yourself in a Cowboys fan's shoes a year ago from now, Jason Witten's retirement was very sudden. Um, you know, we heard a little bit of rumbling. Uh, maybe a week before it happened but this i mean you gotta remember this is well after uh a lot of the talent acquisition had been done for the team they you know they weren't you know they were right before the draft and they were you know trying to figure out if tight ends was gonna was gonna be a a situation they're gonna have to deal with flash forward to him coming back now you know, clearly his broadcasting career did not go the way it wanted. It, it was supposed to. And frankly, I mean, just as a side note, anyone who knew Jason Witten or had watched him in interviews knew that this really probably wasn't his gig. I mean, he is a personable, knowledgeable guy, but I don't you know, he's not like Romo or Peyton Manning where he has like this kind of that kind of TV personality. So I, I had it in my head that it wouldn't be surprising to me if he came back. Uh, and to answer your other question, he's looked fantastic, you know, because he looks exactly the same. I mean, the guy doesn't really change, you know, from the last decade. It's, you know, he's, he just kind of gets maybe 2% less, you know, as good as he was the, the year before. But he's amazingly consistent. I actually think that the year off may help him because he he you know just uh, let one year away from that wear and tear he's kind of rebuilt his body of no one's surprised that he was able to get himself back into football shape quickly uh and the question now in dallas is what's his usage going to be like they they have two other tight ends beneath him that they they like to use uh uh blake jarwin and, and dalton schultz who uh have shown things at different points they were kind of thrust into the fire because jeff swaim got hurt last year 
year, and suddenly these two guys who had never played an NFL snap before the season are getting all of the tight end snaps for this team. So they got a lot of experience and invested there, and they like those guys. So the question is, does Witten come back and you know go back to his normal ninety five percent plus usage, which is you know very much what he did for about you know fifteen years in the NFL? Or does he take a little bit more of a step back? Is he like more of a 75 to 80 percent usage guy with the rotation of of uh, the other tight ends underneath him? And the question, you know, the talk has been, does he take on kind of more of a player coach role, which is what was discussed up front when he came back? And, and I think if he's used appropriately, he's still a very valuable player. He could still get open against any linebacker you know, safety in the league in short distances. Uh, but but you know there probably will be more diminishing returns the more he has to be used. Let's look at the offensive line now for a moment. I mean, for years the Cowboys had just one of the best offensive lines in the game. Um, it sounds like there might be some changes coming on that line. I think. I read where Lyle Collins is looking for a contract or might not be a part of that unit. I mean, what can you tell us about the status of the offensive line? And also, uh, Travis Frederick, I believe, he missed last year with an Mm -hmm. illness. How is he doing? Wow. I mean, that was a very interesting thing. It was Gillian-Barr syndrome, and I could be totally mispronouncing that because it's a very unique and very odd uh, situation. In fact, I think there was only probably three or four other NFL players who have ever suffered from them. Um, Mark Schlereth was one of it, one of those where he missed a whole season and it's just a, a a nerve issue where you basically lose feeling and uh, you basically get a, a tingling sensation in your hands and you lose all your strength uh, it's it was terrifying described and and he basically you know you started showing up at training camp he started losing one-on-one battles that he couldn't uh, he would never lose bef- before to undrafted free agent defensive t- t- tackles and we weren't sure if this if we've just found an incredible crop of undrafted free agent defensive tackles or if there was something wrong with him uh and unfortunately it was a situation where he uh had this uh this disease uh they caught it at an early stage uh and obviously he you know plays for the a professional NFL team, so he had all the resources in the world uh, to to his at his disposal, uh, and so they were able to kind of t- turn the tide on it. Uh, and he was back to a place where he was able to, you know, lift weights and do the things that he was able to do before uh, this 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 disease struck him. Probably about the end of last season, you know, he he wanted to try to figure out a way to become active again and play in the in the playoff game, if I remember correctly. But I don't think the the doctors were going to let him near the field at, at that whole season. So he seems to be coming back, and all all reports are good. Uh, I think everything seems to hinge on what he looks like with pads on. So obviously, that was a huge part of what was going on. Now Joe Looney, who's his backup was played admirably, but he's not Travis Frederick. Um, and then, you know, we drafted uh, a, a young left guard, Connor Williams, who was undersized. He was a tackle in college. Uh, he was probably just at 300 pounds and they kicked him inside to guard, but he, uh, he struggled at times. And then they, him and Xavier Suofilo kind of battled with the job until Connor finally got some uh, more time in the weight room. It looks like he got a little bit stronger by the end of the season and took that job for good. Uh, 
you know, and then Zach Martin got hurt, uh, at, I think mid part of the season, hurt his knee and, and was kind of just really a shell of himself for the rest of the season. And then what you brought up, Lael Collins. So we started last year with uh, Paul Alexander as our offensive line coach. It was a changeover previously uh, from Frank Pollock, who left to go to Cincinnati. Uh, the the the, the line, offensive line room apparently had kind of just had enough of Pollock and, and were asking for uh, Mark Colombo to be their, their uh, offensive line coach. But he had never been a coach before, so the Cowboys felt like they needed to put an experienced guy in there. They put Paul Alexander, who used to be the Cincinnati offensive line coach for a long time. He brought in a whole bunch of techni- new techniques. And the guy who suffered the most from all that, I think because of just where he was in his development, was Lael Collins, who you mentioned. Uh, Lael struggled with the new hand placement techniques that Paul Alexander wanted to institute. They, And I think one of the most underrated moves they did, and they did it basically at the same time as, as – trading for Cooper, and I think that's why it got overlooked, is firing Paul Alexander and elevating Mark Colombo to the offensive line coach. Leo Collins' situation got sorted out. He played a whole lot better the second half. Uh, and yes, he, he is. He has one more year this year on his contract, and then I, I think that it is extremely likely that he's going to go somewhere else and get paid. I, I think that the, the, the thought process is they like Leo Collins, uh, but they realize that he is uh, due for a big payday, and they realize they cannot sign all these guys to huge deals on the offensive line. They have a couple other guys. They draw, drafted a guy this year that Connor McGovern, who they think can play left guard, and then the thought process is Connor Williams is your start. Connor Williams, last year's pick, is your starter at left guard this year. While you're cross training him to learn tackle a little bit, and then by the time next year rolls around, he's fully into right tackle, uh, and and Connor McGovern steps into his spot at left guard. So uh, the Cowboys are lucky at the offensive line this year more than previous years i would say they have a lot of depth right now and uh all across the 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 line and with frederick coming back martin healthy again and and just you know left guard a way more settled situation because connor williams came back looking like a man who basically slept in the uh locker room in the weight room the whole time the offensive line is in a much better state than it was this time last year landon it seems like Head coach Jason Garrett has been on the hot seat forever. It's just like every year we hear he's on the hot seat. Where exactly does he stand? And do you think this could be the year that if the Cowboys just don't win something, I mean, could this be the year that they make a change at head coach? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the last year of his contract. And, you know, as the Cowboys were, you know, streaking last year and and getting into the playoffs, there was a brief conversation about potentially, uh, you know, extending him again. Um, And I think that what Jerry decided to do was that he wanted all these people uh, with their backs against the wall. And he wanted everybody to go into this this year with uh, targets on their back. And, uh, you know, it's it's been tough to fire Garrett because despite what everyone wants to say, he manages to get his teams to win. His teams don't quit on him. And, uh, you know, there has been circumstance at different points for sure. And there has been times when they've struggled to overcome certain circumstances. But the team never quits on him. And I think the thing that doesn't get – portrayed well in the media is that this team is incredibly talented uh 
personnel-wise. And Jason Garrett is very much a large part of that. His dad was a well-known scout for the Cowboys for a long time and for other teams and a coach. Uh, And Garrett has an understanding, a very strong understanding of what kind of players he wants on his team and what kind of players he thinks can make in the NFL. And I think his track record with Will McClay kind of speaks for itself. So I think there's some hesitancy because – you know, whenever you fire a new coach, you bring in a new system, everything changes. Uh, and I think that they feel like they are close. There is a ton of optimism right now in, in Cowboy land. And obviously this is the time for optimism. But I, I think everyone in that building thinks that with Kellen Moore coming in and, and kind of at least modernizing what was a, a, a you know a stale version of this offense – uh, and then the talent that they've added in besides the depth they're getting back, getting Travis Frederick back and Jason Witten back at the very least is a stabilizing force for an incredibly young team. Uh, I think that there's a lot of optimism that, you know, Garrett can over, get over the hump and, and then get that contract. And if he can't, you know, then obviously it's time to clean house and there's going to be a lot of changes here, uh, you know, at least at the, on a coaching front. And, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. We're breaking down the Dallas Cowboys as we count down to the starter Giants training camp. We're going to take our first break and come back and talk Cowboys defense. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with Landon McCool. He is one of the co-hosts of Locked On Cowboys. And we're talking Dallas Cowboys. We've got to find out what's going on with the NFC East and the opponents. Uh, so Landon's doing a great job giving us some insights. And Landon, let's turn our attention now to the Cowboys defense. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, the secondary was a was an area that they were looking to upgrade. They brought in some new talent. So let's start with the secondary, if we could, and just what you've seen and, and what they've changed back there as far as personnel, scheme, and the like. Specifically, what they were, you know, the talk is they want a new – and this is kind of more from cowboy land, cowboy nation than – you know, from the coaching staff, I would say, but specifically what they were, people are, are pining for is a strong safety. Uh, a lot of people blame some aspects of what happened in the Rams game to Jeff Heath's inability to make the tackle uh, in a key time. And, 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 and when they had like, a, I think it was a QB sneak and it was just a, a very embarrassing situation where he missed that and another tackle. Uh, and, and, and yeah, if I remember correctly, Jeff Heath, who is the starter at strong safety, I, has more missed tackles than any safety in the league or something like that. It was that's specifically the issue that I feel like people are pining for change there. And so they signed George Iloka, who is a big, tall, lengthy uh, safety who spent a lot of time playing free safety. But in Chris Richard's system, they view him more as an in the box, you know, not maybe not Cam Chancellor, but Cam Chancellor like role on this defense. Outside of him, outside of that spot, though, there is a there is a lot of happy (laughs) optimism. I mean, a lot of uh, excitement with this uh, secondary. Uh, They the talent here is 
is deep and they and they really like a lot of these people and they and they're all kind of coming back from last season where you know they had a lot of really young talented starters on the field i mean byron jones has been on the team for a little while i mean this is this will be his fifth year uh you know he had played safety before they moved him back to cornerback where he in this system with Chris Richard really obviously thrived and at one point was playing at an all pro type level. Um, I mean, basically no one was throwing the ball his way. He shut down Michael Thomas when they played uh, the saints. I mean, he really thrived in a way that he hadn't previously uh, in this system. So on that side, we, there was a lot of excitement on the other side, you know, Shidobi Awuzi, who came from University of Colorado, was our number two corner. Um, you know, he got a lot of passes thrown his way because no one was throwing at Byron Jones. And, you know, was the thing you got to enjoy about his game is that he's challenging all of them. You know, he's he's there when the ball arrives. He's, he's getting his hands on passes. He's not always, you know, causing disruption enough to cause an incompletion. Um, but he's there, and 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 like there's there's definitely something to the idea that if he could take the next step, the next step is, for him is getting his hand, pa- more pass deflections, getting interceptions, and 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 uh, there's a lot of optimism that he's going to take a next step. And then inside, you've got two guys who you really like, and and there's kind of been an ongoing battle between Anthony Brown, who uh, is uh, probably the the, the the savviest vet, I guess, is what you could say. Uh, he was he drafted the same year as, as Byron Jones and has started at cornerback basically since he's been here. And uh, you know there there was a lot of excitement preseason for a guy like Jordan Lewis who came out of Michigan who fell because of a domestic violence uh, situation that ended up being a, a false accusation. The charges were dropped. The the person recanted. Uh, and so this was a guy who they got in the third round that they viewed as a as a great as a great dude, a uh, a uh, hard worker and a first round talent. So there was a ton of optimism between for him coming into this system and and being the slot corner and and because of the surprise play of Anthony Brown in a positive way, he, you know they, they those two have been battling it out. So. There's a lot, of, and then you know we we drafted Michael Jackson as a corner out of out of Miami, who they really like a lot. He's a big, tall, athletic, long corner. So I think six one two uh, ten. Um, you know, just you know, they have a prototype that kind of Seattle long long armed, closed window type guys that are physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, and they are excited about those guys coming back. And then uh, the last guy I'll mention, Xavier Woods, who was the free safety last season. Watching him grow over the course of the year was one of the most exciting things for Cowboys fans because as the year got on, it, the light really started to click and he started arriving at the ball uh, on time. He started, you know, getting his hands and he just like Chidobe, they both came out the same year. It, you know, he's ready to take that next step and that next step uh, we're hoping uh, is turnovers, pass deflections, uh, uh, fully affecting the pass game. And I think if if we talk about the strength of the Cowboys defense, I think, and tell me if you disagree, the linebackers has got to be it. I mean, they, you know, not taking anything away from the defensive front, which we'll get to in a moment, but um, Vander Esch, uh, J- uh, Jalen Smith, and I think you guys just added a new guy. Um, 
Uh, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. I know you also have Sean Lee. I mean, yeah. the the def- the, uh, the linebackers, I mean, do you see – is that unit going to change all that much uh, with the additions that they made? Or, or what are you expecting out of that group uh, in the coming season? Uh, you know, it's hard as a Cowboy fan not to get extremely giddy about the linebacker group. I mean, I, I, I actually think it, it may be if it's if it's not the best group in the NFL, it's it's definitely vying for that spot um, just because the arrow is pointing so high up for both Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. And, and, you know, for a guy who has been rooting for Jalen Smith for a long time, I mean, really, it's it, Jalen is one of those guys who. It doesn't really matter. It's he, he's like you know uh, Chris Long or, or someone like that. Like where you know he's one of these guys where you root for him no matter what team he's on. And 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 I think he's just to see him come back from what he's come back from uh, and his attitude the whole time is just unbelievable. So to see him kind of get back to that full playing strength, that that kind of top 10 overall pick type athleticism, and then see Leighton Vander Esch next to him, you know taking off as a player and and it's just it's unbelievable and and so i mean especially for a team that you know two or three years ago if sean lee was off the field that defense couldn't do anything like it was basically you know trying to hold on for dear life now sean lee is uh you know he re-signed but he's definitely the third linebacker of this group they are going to try to get more three linebacker looks. They are going to try to play a little bit more base defense, even in passing situations, because they have just so much speed on the field. Uh, and, and because Jalen and Layton are so athletic and long armed, they can close windows quickly. Uh, you know, I think they're going to try and do that a, a lot more. Um, and then behind them, I think, you know, it gets lost that Joe Thomas who I think is, you know, a starter for most teams. Uh, he came over from Green Bay a couple years ago, uh, and he has been lights out whenever he's on the field. I mean, they've got, I think, legitimately four to five guys on this team who could be starters, starting linebackers anywhere else. And their top three, I mean, their top two may be the top, in the top five linebackers in the NFL and then to have Sean Lee as your occasional rotational guy uh you know he's his issue is is only ever been can he stay on the field so this will help him stay on the field and uh you know limit him to a, a situation where uh yeah, he can stay on the field for longer periods of time throughout the season because really it's it's well, how many how many months do we get Sean Lee, and when does he get hurt, and when does he get back in time for the playoffs? Hopefully, uh, but yeah, the linebackers are obviously a source of incredible pride for this team, and and they are going to hopefully take another step and really you know take off and show this uh, the league what they can do. Now we have to move to the defensive front. This offseason, Tank Lawrence just got a huge, huge deal. You guys acquired um, Robert Quinn from the Dolphins. How are you feeling about that defensive front? You know, it's 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 weird to feel so confident about it because it's the, the you know the, in the era of Rod Marinelli, who is we you know we love down in Dallas, obviously. Um, it's been a lot about kind of getting these mid-range guys who he likes to coach up, right? And 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 try to get uh, a, a he like he likes rotation. He wants ways. He doesn't want you know, all he doesn't want four, you know, horses that are basically playing 80 to 90% of the snaps. He wants 
waves of these guys, different combinations. He likes to put the people at different spots and then twist and stunt. And, you know, so Demarcus Lawrence is obviously an exception to that because he's just so incredibly talented. Um, so he, he gets a lot of those snaps. And then on the other side, you know, they had been playing Tyron Crawford, who is, you know, kind of a hybrid defensive tackle and defensive end at right defensive end, which is, you know, kind of traditionally where you put more of your speed guy. And he's been kind of giving some left tackles fits because they're just not used to dealing with a guy like that. They're used to dealing with the more athletic bendy types. So I think this year they decided that, you know, after what they saw, what they got out of Randy Gregory last year, who, uh, you know, has been obviously on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field, um, you know, that they that they wanted more of that in the position. I think they clearly got wind that, well, I mean, Randy got suspended, you know, early in the offseason. Um, and, and I think signing Robert Quinn at the time was in, you know, it obviously insurance for Randy Gregory, but it also could have been insurance for if they weren't able to get a Demarcus Lawrence deal done, which they were able to. And now you've got, you know, a, a great book in between those two. I, I've everything I've heard from inside the building and everything we've heard whispered around us, you know, in Dallas seems to imply that there is optimism that Randy Gregory is going to be reinstated. Um, and I think you know, there is a lot of change going on in the marijuana policy with the NFL. And that's I mean, he hasn't had any other off the field issues. It's only failing tests for marijuana, essentially. So if that policy changes and again, no one has any other news outside than just the way the team themselves are talking about Randy Gregory and dealing with Randy Gregory. But it feels like the team at least expects that Randy Gregory will likely be back on the field this season. And if that's the case, I mean, you got Lawrence Gregory, uh, uh, Quinn, you've, you've, you've got a guy named Dorrance Armstrong who they really like. They drafted a year ago who was, who was definitely going to come on this year for sure. He started really to come on at the end of the year. They signed Kerry Hyder, who was an eight-sack guy last time he played defensive end. He's been relegated to nose tackle up at Detroit, and so he's excited to get back out, and he's been make, cause, uh, causing problems uh, in OTAs. You know, and then inside – You've got a defensive tackle situation that was problematic, I think, near the end of the year. Uh, but now you're excited about what you've got at one technique with Antoine Woods. Um, you just signed a guy named Chris uh, Covington. Oh, I'm sorry, I get him confused with Christian Covington, who's a linebacker on the team. That Imagine that jersey problem <laughs> they're going to have. Uh, and then uh, he, he to play a little bit more of one tech nose nose technique. I mean, he's uh, he's you know kind of a big bodied guy who can move a little bit, sort of a Terrell McLean type, I think. And then you know Malik Collins, who when healthy, which uh, you know he has kind of Sean Lee issue, except he never misses a game. He's just always playing at eighty percent. Malik Collins is fantastic when he's healthy. They they drafted Tristan Hill, uh, who they're excited about, especially on pass rush situations. And if Randy Gregory comes back, Robert Quinn is there. You've got Taco Charlton. You've got Dorrance Armstrong as their defensive ends. You can kick Tyron Crawford full-time inside to under-tackle. Now you've really got a great rotation of guys as your under-tackle. So the, the defensive line is in a spot where it hasn't been on this team for maybe since Anthony Spencer played opposite of uh, of Demarcus Ware, maybe you know we don't want to talk about 
Greg Hardy or all, the, all that terribleness back then. But they haven't had a, 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 a group like this in quite a while. In terms of the greatest um, concern you have ahead of the Cowboys uh, training camp, ahead of, uh, you know, the start of the season, where where would you, you know, what, what would be your level and, and what area would you like to see them really kind of address that they maybe haven't addressed satisfactorily to this point? Well, I think right now it's more uh, it's more just not if there's a lot of unknown, you know, because even though despite they're bringing back a lot of players, you know, we don't know what we don't know what Travis Frederick's going to look like. I mean, we have an idea of who Travis Frederick was before. We hope that he's going to get back to that. We don't know specifically what Jason Witten's going to look like yet. I mean, you know, he's we haven't like I said, we knew who the guy was before, but he's missed a year. So what does that mean at his age, you know, especially? Uh what's Kellen Moore's offense really going to look like? You know, we we we've we've heard rumblings, we've heard talk about it being more multiple about uh different formations, about deploying uh, guys differently. We didn't even mention like Tony Pollard and 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 the the plans that they have for for bringing him in and and using him kind of in a Tavon Austin role, a, a gadget back type role while also being a running back. But we I mean again, this is all kind of rumbling. We're all basing what we think Kellen Moore's offense is going to be by, you know, looking at what he did with Chris Peterson at Boise State, you know, all those years ago. So uh, there's a lot of unknown there. And then I think there is a couple of situations that we need to keep an eye on injury wise. Byron Jones is coming off hip surgery uh, to Marcus Lawrence has uh, had a sol- uh, shoulder surgery. So both of those guys are likely to start training camp on pup. How quickly are they able to get back? How quickly are they able to get acclimated? And and that in conjunction with the fact that the Cowboys, if you look at their schedule, they really, really need to get off to a, a fast start because they have an incredibly difficult schedule at different points in the middle and in the, in the latter, latter part of the schedule. So if they aren't able – if those – you know, key players like Byron Jones and Demarcus Lawrence are are hobbled or kind of working their way back. If Ezekiel Elliott starts slow, which he has sometimes uh, in seasons, if the passing attack doesn't you know doesn't get enough work in the preseason because there's offensive line injury like it ha- like that was a major problem last year that doesn't get discussed enough if that sort of thing falls on them again and they don't get a lot of work to kind of congeal as an offense that could be extremely problematic if the Cowboys fall into an early hole they may get into a point where they're playing a row of dangerous teams that are difficult to beat while the Giants and the Eagles the Redskins you know could be out there uh, winning a bunch of games and then gaining a huge lead on them in the in the division so I, I think for the Cowboys they need to win the division or, or they need to make that the goal in order to, to, to make it in the playoffs because their schedule is so difficult because of all the teams they play I don't know that they're going to be able to obtain a schedule that's going to be able to get a wild card spot so if they can, if they get in a hole early with some of these injuries they're going to have they're going to have a difficult time trying to dig their way out. Last question, Landon. Who's the one cowboy that you think is going to catch the NFL by storm this year? Hmm. Man. Well, I, I think, you know, I think that. Amari Cooper has already kind of done that to a certain degree. I mean, I think everyone knows who Cooper is. I think Cooper's game is about to go to a whole nother level. I mean, just because we everything we saw with Dak and Cooper last season was all done without a training camp, 
without any kind of pre-install. Cooper was basically limited to, you know, a couple different things that he could learn in season, a couple different things that they could scheme for him specifically. But to have Cooper in the, in the scheme, in training camp with Dak this whole time, Dak has, you know, cleaned up a whole bunch of uh, aspects. You know, like I mentioned before, his main issue has always been about keeping his feet uh, set, resetting his feet in the pocket and then delivering. He's uh, He has looked apparently fantastic in OTAs like everybody, I guess, does. But uh, I, I think – I do think that the this offense is going to work on trying to move Cooper around and that's why they are they got rid of guys like Beasley or didn't get rid of Beasley but they didn't re-sign him for that money is because a guy like Beasley is basically a slot only player and they wanted to get someone like Cobb in to pair with a guy like Gallup and Cooper where they could move all three of these guys open uh, around the the formation and scheme them open for a guy like Cooper who is such an incredible route runner uh, that could be deadly for defenses. So I know he's already kind of a well-known name, uh, but I think Amari Cooper may be, you know, if he if things work out, Cooper could be discussed in, in the kind of upper echelon of wide receivers because he has that kind of talent. He's young. He's hungry. It's really just been about opportunity, and I think this is the year for the opportunity. I'll tell you what, Lynn, and after listening to this preview, I'm ready to to, to see some football. I don't know about oh, you. <laughs> the, the desert is too long, and I'm very thirsty at this point. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Lynn. And before we sign off, tell everybody where they can find all your work besides on Locked on Cowboys. You can always check me out on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. Uh, I also host a uh, podcast called The Best Coast Boys with uh, John Oning. Uh, so definitely check that out. It's on Twitter as well, at Best Coast Boys with a Z at the end. Uh, we're also available on uh, all your fine podcast purveyor apps so check us out please come see us absolutely and we'll be talking to you during the year for the crossover shows i'm sure a couple yes. of times yes. and uh listen i really appreciate you coming on we should best uh continued success with the podcast and all your other work and uh, giant fans make sure you stay tuned we have plenty more previews coming up which we're, we're trying to get through all the giant 2019 opponents uh before we get to training camp so i want to thank you for listening for landon mccall this is patricia Chana signing off Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.